Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blue Jays from Away podcast, episode 70. this episode, I'm pleased to be joined by Wesley James, who will join me in conversation and will also bring you an interview with Hagen Danner, a catcher in the Blue Jays' minor league system. Welcome back to a new season of the Blue Jays from Away podcast. We're brought to you by the 2018 Toronto Blue Jays Minor League Handbook and the premium content section of Blue Jays from Away. This year's edition features profiles of over 250 players in the Toronto Blue Jays organization while giving you all of the info you need to follow the Blue Jays minor leaguers in action. The premium content section has photos, video, and scouting reports to supplement the profiles. The 2018 Toronto Blue Jays Minor League Handbook and the Blue Jays from Away Premium Content section. We've got you covered. Now available at the Blue Jays from Away shop and at Amazon in format for Kindle and in print. We've got the Buffalo Bisons opening their season tonight. Um, you know, what are your thoughts about the the lineup? I, I, I know we talked last time before the official rosters came out. Um, you know, we had some misses on the on who would end up where. I know I did. I thought Guriel would be in Buffalo. But, you know, he's starting the season down in New Hampshire. And with a really fun infield. Yeah. And with, with an infield where... Kevin Biggio needs to start at first base so you can get everybody else in. <laughs> I, I I don't think I've ever wanted to go to New Hampshire as much as I do right now. It's a beautiful place, and I and I, I you know I do like the park there in Manchester. I you know I'm staring at my calendar and I'm looking over at these schedules to figure out where I'm going to go when, and I'm just you know begging my weekends to stop having work in it so that I can take a weekend off and just you know go somewhere. I mean, Lansing is looking very exciting too. And they had a huge opening game where they won 12 to one. Um, I actually watched most, most of that game this morning on MILB TV. Um, I say most because for some reason there were long portions of the game that were not um, on the archive. So it, you know, it opened up and they were, I think in the bottom of the first inning as opposed to the top inning and uh, top of the first. And so, I don't know what happened there. And there was also a screw-up in the box score and the log. So that it, yeah, you know, I saw that. So they said that Reggie Pruitt, uh, not Reggie Pruitt, they said that they said that Samad Taylor had four hits, but he only had one hit. And before publishing oh, okay. before publishing the minor league report on Blue Jays from away, I actually got in touch with Jesse Goldberg-Strassler to get the actual box score from the official scorekeeper. Um so that I had it. And somebody did comment about it on, on Blue Jays from Away. And I had to say, you know, look, I, I was confused by the same thing. I did contact Jesse, who was there. Um, yeah, I saw Jesse respond to John Lott 
uh, and and uh, and he posted, I think just just a few minutes ago, posted the uh, the actual box score that he took a photo of. Yeah, yeah. That was welcome at, to minor league baseball. That's that fun. was that was at my request. The photo. Oh, good, good, um, good. Yeah, I, I I looked at it this morning. I'm like, mm, it says something different on my on the first pitch app as it does on the website. What's going on here? So, um, you know, this is the the great thing well, about. I'm glad I didn't choose Samad Taylor as my player of the game. Then I'm glad too because uh, I would have overruled. <laughs> but it's it's hard to it's hard to miss Jen C. Diaz when he strikes out ten and wow. gets up one hit in um, yeah. in five and two-thirds innings, I think. Do you think that's an early April kind of thing for him to do, given maybe the bats aren't still working on working through some kinks and stuff like that? Or do you, or has he done that before in the past? He has done that before in the past. But, um, you know, watching it on TV, I mean, he threw a lot of high strikes that were swung at. Um, so it may be more April, the hitter's timing. They haven't played in a week. Um or at least five six days, so that may be a hitter's thing. The hitters are, are you know, a little anxious kind of to get going. A little anxious. Number one, number two, maybe hitters in Double A don't swing at those pitches. Um, he looked good, like he looked in control, but he definitely got swings and misses on pitches that you know more experienced hitters don't swing at. Um, I don't want to diminish it, and I mean uh, Maximo Castillo who came in in relief, but he's going to be a starter in this rotation. Frequently, you'll see in the first game, I think I think this was the only game we saw that, but frequently in the first game of the year, you're going to see the guy who's the four or five starter come in in relief just to get him some work. Because um, mm. again, it has been so long since they've pitched. Um, so that, I think, is... I mean, we're all over the place here, so let's stick with Lansing for a bit. Start uh, start from the bottom. Start from the bottom. Um, you know, we saw some really good pitching, obviously, with Jen C. Diaz and Maximo Castillo, both of whom are very young, although Castillo's 18, I think. He'll be 19 this season. Um, he's very young. He's got, you know, he. I think he was throwing hard. I think the commentators were saying he was, he was up around 95, or maybe it was Diaz who was... Uh, up around 95, 96 uh, with his fastball. I think it was Diaz. And and Castillo, I think they were saying, was, was around 92, 93. But he was really in command, and he struck out three. One of them was a wild pitch or a pass ball that allowed the, the runner to get on, and he got a ground ball out. Um, Donnie Sellers got hit a little bit, and uh, Kyle Weatherly had a clean inning in his his outing. But, you know, we, we got a really nice view of what the pitching in Lansing could be. Is there... Who starts the next game? <clears throat> or today, I guess. Uh, today's game has actually already been postponed. Um, uh, yeah, so I just I see that now. I think weather is really bad. Zach Logue is scheduled for the third game, although they may um, push... Uh, well, I guess it would be Logue. Um, we may have Logue and um, Spraker... But all I can see right now is up to Saturday on the uh, on the first pitch app, and they've got Logue listed as the starter for Saturday. Right. Seeing who else had a good Noda had a hit and a and a walk. I believe he did. And uh, I mean, everyone had a hit except for Clemens. Mm, I think that's Smith. the wrong. Is this wrong as well? Um. <clears throat> 
Yeah, that's the wrong one. Uh, the actual one, so, I'm just going to get it. Maybe they lost. We don't even know. No, they, it was actually 12 to 1. It wasn't 11 to 1. Oh, they, they won by more. Okay, they won okay. by more. Um, so I'm just calling up the, uh, oh, here we go. the yeah. picture that Jesse sent me. Um, so we had three hits from Kevin Vicuña. We had three hits from Reggie Pruitt. We had three hits from Chavez Young. And I actually did sort of a mock oh, yeah. lineup. And oh, wow, this is... this. It's quite the off. Minor league baseball one is way off. Yeah. Um, and so I actually... And Clemens hit a double. He was one for four with a double and two walks. Ryan Noda was 0 for three, but he walked oh, twice. okay. Uh, Samad Taylor was one for five. Uh, Ridge Smith was one for five. Uh, Christian Williams was 0 for four with a walk. And then Pruitt and Young. So um, I had made up um, a mock lineup, and I had Reggie Pruitt at the top and Chavez Young number two. And when the actual lineup came out, I have, of course, you know, in my daily preview, I had, you know, just pasted it in um, from the the tweet that the Lugnuts Mm -hmm. sent out. Um, But I was sort of, you know, telling Jesse, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I pretty much had the same lineup, except I had Matt Morgan catching, and I had uh, Cullen Large in the lineup with Kevin Smith at shortstop, um, with Large playing third, uh, rather than Kevin Vicuña at shortstop, who had a a great game. So, you know, of course I'm wrong. Um, But, you know, I sort of would have had Pruitt and Chavez at the top, whereas the the Lugnuts had Taylor, Samad Taylor, and, uh, and Kevin Vicuña at the top of the lineup. So that's, you know, that's interesting. But, it, you know, it, it looks like we've got the potential for a really solid lineup. I don't think it'll have too much power, but I think they're going to be quite um, quite able to score runs and hit singles, doubles. There's a lot of speed in that lineup, particularly with uh, Vicuña and um, Taylor and Chavez and Pruitt. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of good stuff with that lineup. And again, Cullen Large hasn't played yet, and and he's a guy who really impressed me with his uh, his approach at the plate, his ability to fight off foul balls, um, pitches he doesn't like, and um, I think he's going to be an effective hitter in in Lansing as well. Is there anybody uh, that you are looking keeping a particular eye on this year as far as the lineup goes? Um, Noda, obviously, because he you know had such a huge year last year. Um, I have a feeling he's not going to be able to quite replicate his success in Bluefield mm-hmm. at the Lansing level um, at the, or in the Midwest League. Um, but I still think, you know, his his patience at the plate is really going to help him put up a pretty good on-base percentage and, and really help catalyze that lineup. Sounds good. Let's go to Lansing. You mean Dunedin? Oh, yeah, let's actually go to Lansing. I mean, yeah, no, yeah, I meant travel, but yeah, we can go to Dunedin right now. Hopefully the uh, box score here didn't have the same problem as well. No, not as far as I could tell. And TJ Zoik got the start. Um, he was generally okay. Uh, I was looking for MILB TV feed because it said it was there, but it wasn't there. Oh, so you weren't able to watch. I wasn't able to watch any of it. Um, Zoik... Gave up four runs, and two of them were off home runs. Um, 
he gave up three runs in the sixth inning, so he had already been stretched out. But even in six innings of work, he only threw, I think it was like 76 pitches. So he was really efficient. I think he was really pitching to contact. Um, and, you know, he threw 50 strikes out of 76 pitches. Um, so he maybe pitched better than this box score leads us to believe. That tends to happen. When, when a guy gives up a couple home runs, and they're throwing a lot of strikes, I generally will chalk it up to, you know, he put a couple pitches in the wrong spot. And two pitches out of 76, obviously, you know, he only gave up four hits, uh, and he only had two walks. So to me, over six innings, two bad pitches, if I could see the start, uh, you know, and watch it, you know, it would give me a better idea. But my impression is he just left a couple up and got burned. And hopefully that's a lesson, and he'll be able to keep the ball down. And he, he is really good when he keeps the ball down because his sinker really drops, and it's it's really hard to get into the air. If you look at his ground out to fly out ratio, um, you know nine ground outs, two fly outs with five strikeouts in that. So, you know it's it's just a couple balls he left up probably. So I'm not reading too much into that. Um, Justin Dillon, he may be one of the starters at the back end of the rotation, but I think they're, they're going to go with Taylor Saucedo in the next game. He's going to be followed by Patrick Murphy. And beyond that, I'm not entirely sure, but I think Nate Pearson is going to get the ball. Although, it's very strange. I was looking today on the uh, at the roster, and Nate Pearson is not listed on the roster on MILB. Dot com. Um, however, he's also not listed on the roster on the first pitch app. So I'm wondering if there was a last minute injury or they're just not adding him to the roster just yet. Maybe the same guy. Well, he he was on a roster last week when he was when they announced the rosters, right? Well, was they it? announced the rosters and he was on one of them. Yeah, but he wasn't. Dunedin. Dunedin. And he wasn't, but he wasn't actually transferred to the Dunedin roster so that it's showing up on the, um, on the, the, the website. Now that said, he, I did see pictures on Twitter of him with some of his teammates. So he's there. It's just a paperwork thing or some, Possibly. Other, some guy fell asleep at MILB.com. Yeah. So, but the rest of the rotation is probably going to be, and I think I read this, um, either Justin Dillon or maybe Josh DeGraff, um, Taylor Saucedo, Patrick Murphy, and Nate Pearson. Sounds good. Sounds good. Is there one of those, other than Zoic and uh, Pearson, who, uh, of the starting pitchers there, who are you, you keeping an eye on? Oh, Patrick Murphy. Patrick Murphy looked really, really good in spring training. And he looked like he was ready for a higher level. Um, he was really cutting through batters with, you know, his slider looked fantastic. So I'm, I'm thinking Murphy makes eight to ten starts before they move him. And you think they'll move him pretty quick then? I think so, yeah. I, I think he's been around long enough, and he's, he's got experience at Dunedin already. He doesn't need a full season there. Cool. Should we, uh, is anyone on the batting side, the lineup side of things that we want to uh, talk about here? Well, you know, Josh Palacios, I think, was both of our player of the game. Mm -hmm. He, um, you know, was two for three with two walks. Uh, so, and he also stole a base. 
you know, that's, I think, his game. You know, looking at the lineup as a whole, I don't think there's a lot of power here. Um, Bradley Jones was 0 for 4. He's really the biggest bopper of the group. Logan Warmoth may have a little bit of pop, and Riley Adams could hit some um, if he runs into them. But aside from that, I mean, Adams hit a double in the opener, and uh, Ivan Castillo hit a double. But aside from that, and Castillo also hit a triple, um, aside from, you know, really Warmoth, Jones, and Adams, there's not a lot of power, although Nash Knight did hit a home run. Um not a guy I really expect to hit a lot of home runs. He's more of a line drive, gap-to-gap type guy. Cool. Um, Bradley Jones, do you think that... What are your expectations for his year last year? He had quite a good year last year, despite being hurt a bit in Lansing. Um, what are your expectations for him? That's a very good question. Um, Bradley Jones has a lot of swing and miss in his in his game. So I love... I mean, watching him take BP is great. I mean, he's one of the the more explosive swingers in the Jays organization. But I also think he doesn't always hit what he swings at. And that, I think, may start to get exposed more starting in advanced day. That said, he has the potential to really just explode and... You know, he had a phenomenal April in Lansing last year, and then, you know, the transition to Dunedin didn't work well for him before he got hurt. But if anybody in that lineup is somebody to watch, aside from sort of a doubles hitter um, and maybe Adams and Warmoff, but aside from everybody else, I think, you know, Bradley Jones is the guy who could have the biggest ceiling um, and the most, the most exciting ceiling. It may take him a month to sort of get to the point where he um, is really hitting the ball well, but you know, he if he figures some things out, I think he could you know be a guy to watch. Well, I'll watch him. Well, let's keep an eye on him then. Uh, so, should we move on to uh, the team that everybody's talking about? This little little team with this no names in their lineup. Uh, you know. I think a lot of our, our listeners would be hard-pressed to recognize some of these names. Oh, what's his name at, at shortstop? What's, what is his name? I don't know. Uh, Bo Bichette. His name uh, is Bo Bichette. Oh, oh the, the Star Wars villain. <laughs> right, that, that guy. That they guy. just brought him in for Star Wars night. Yeah. That's why he's there. Yeah. And the guy, oh, but he only went, you know, he, he sucks, right? He, he just, he went over four with a walk. Clearly, that guy, that he guy should... can't hit. Yeah, send him down. Yeah. Just release him. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's funny, you know, the... Uh, and a stolen base. I think he had a stolen base, too. Saw that. Yeah, he did. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Now now he's on the radar. There you go. Now we need that speed up in Toronto. But, you know, I think it, it, was, a, it was a fantastic game for New Hampshire and shows um, that even when Bo and Vlad... And Vlad was one for four with a double... Um, but and a walk, of course, because you know, Vlad gonna Vlad. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> even when those guys aren't a factor, that that's a deep team. I mean, Biggio, I think is going to be solid. He was two for four yesterday. Uh, Guriel had two doubles. Um, yeah, and drove in a pair. Connor Panis was two for four. You know, I think it's just 
a deep team, and it's a fairly mature team. Like, you've got a mixture of guys. Harold Ramirez is back. Guriel is back. Jonathan Davis is back. Uh, Andrew Guillot, who was the DH, actually surprising me that he was the DH as opposed to someone like Juan Kelly. Um, you know, you've got these guys who are really experienced at the AA level, and you know, they're going to help those guys who are just coming up like Biggio and Guerrero and, and Bichette and Connor Panis um, and today's starter, Jordan Romano. Um, you know, you've got you've got some veterans on that team who are going to help, you know, get these guys accustomed to the new pitching. And, and, if, and it takes some pressure off so that if Bo and Vlad are not out there mashing, there's still going to be production. And I think yesterday's game, their 6-0 victory uh, over Hartford, I think that's going to be a good indication of how deep this offense is, and I think they can get a lot done. I think we're going to see, for the first year in a long time, we might actually see a very good New Hampshire Fisher Cats team. Guriel, uh, who was your was my player of the game, just for the two doubles, and I, his name has come up a bunch with with Diaz being hurt. As far as you know, a, a depth option in in the system that could be called up. Obviously, he's on a major league contract, so it makes it easier. But um, wh- who 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 was your player of the game? I I split it. Um, I really liked what uh, Francisco Rios did. Rios making his first start of the year. Went four scoreless innings, four hits, five strikeouts, no walks. Um, so I really like that. So I split it up between the two of those guys, Guriel and uh, Rios. Uh, as far as Guriel's defense goes, how um, do you see him settling in, in in the role in the middle infield? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where he's going to get the most reps. Um, I'll, I think you'll see him and Bichette flip-flop. Um, it's it's interesting. You've got so many possible configurations for that infield. Obviously, they're not going to move Guerrero too much. But you've got Bichette, who can play short and second. You've got Biggio, who will play second. You've got Guriel, who can play short and second. And you may see him in left field, too. Um, and, you know, Juan Kelly can play first and third. And he may be an emergency catcher if necessary, but I don't think he's caught in a couple of years now. So you've really got an infield where you can have Juan Kelly at first, Biggio at second, Bichette at short, Guerrero at third. Or you can have Kelly at, you know, first, Guerrero at third, any combination of um, Guriel and Bichette at second or short. Um can do what we what they did yesterday, where they didn't play Kelly, um, and have um, both Guriel and Bichette on that middle infield give uh, Kelly a day off. The other thing that we haven't seen yet is, and I think a lot of people were talking about this, is that Max Pentecost didn't play in the opener. Um, Pentecost yes, Cantwell played Patrick Cantwell, who got a lot of time with the Blue Jays in the in the spring training. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a guy who came over after being traded for, I think, from Texas, and really played like one game or two games. I think he was hurt, and I think this is a chance for the Blue Jays to actually see what they've got in this guy. I think they just traded cash for him, so it wasn't like they were trading players. 
But he did come over last year, and he's, I think, 28 now. And so he's a, not exactly a young guy, but he could definitely be a prospect or maybe a you know down-the-road uh, move into player-coach role. But he did show some offensive pop. I mean, of some of the position players the Blue Jays brought in over the last year, like Edward Pinto, they've got Brian Hudson, who they signed, but he's dealing with uh, concussion symptoms. Um, I got uh, information from that from Ben Charrington, who responded to some questions I had. Um, and then you've got Ivan Castillo, you've got Alberto Mineo, who they got in the Rule 5 draft, um, Cantwell came over last year, so there's a whole group of position players, um, Will Savage they signed and I don't think made a uh, full season roster, um, a whole bunch of these guys that none of them really look like they've got a ton of offensive upside, Cantwell was sort of the one guy of this group who seems to have that potential with the bat where I think he was hitting 300 somewhere it may have been 2016 in the mid to high minors so I think Cantwell is a guy that may be way way under the radar because nobody really saw much of him last year but could get a fair amount of playing time being sort of you know 1-1-A with Max Pentecost. So do you think they're going to split that rope 50-50 to start the season at least? Or is that... Do you, do you, do you see Pentecost maybe playing first even or, or DHing? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I see him doing all of that. I think I think 50% is good um, to start the season behind the plate. Um, I see no reason to really stress him at this point. It's April. It's a long season. Um I would like to see his bat in the lineup, so hopefully we'll see that tonight. Um, but for me, it's definitely... Um, I need to see a lot from Pentecost. I need to see him catching frequently. I need to see him hitting with a little bit more authority than he has. I mean, he's... I love his swing. I think it's a great swing, but it's very much a line drive swing. And that... That can limit, you know, if his offensive profile is like a, you know, 270 to 280 hitter, maybe even a 290 hitter with, you know, because he doesn't walk a ton. So, you know, maybe a 330, 340 OBP um, and like 400, 405 uh, slugging percentage, you know, that's not a first baseman. That's not an elite first baseman. That's especially if he's doing that at the minor league level, which is I think pretty close to what he did last year in Dunedin. Um, you know, for you know, for someone who doesn't play catcher, that's not a lot of offense. As a catcher, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm I'm sort of waiting to see if he can be more productive, um, especially from the power side of things. Cool. Well, should we maybe then move on to Buffalo? Or is there someone you want to talk about on the pitching side of uh, in New Hampshire? Or anything else you want to talk about in New Hampshire? Um, New Hampshire is an interesting team because there is that mix of guys who have been there before and guys who are getting their first crack at the level. And I think the pitching side of things, there's a lot of returning faces. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Dusty Isaacs is going to be a key guy in that bullpen. Justin Schaefer, Andrew Case, 
And then in the starting rotation, there's Sean Reed Foley and um, Francisco Rios and um, John Harris, who are, you know, all guys who have been fairly highly thought of at one point or another, like Rios pitched in the in the Futures game um, a couple years back. And um, Harris was a first-round pick, and uh, Reed Foley was a second-round pick that, you know, everybody was like, oh, I can't believe the Blue Jays got him in the second round. Uh, all these guys have pedigrees, and they struggled in A their first time through. So I'm really curious to see how 20, 2018 shapes up for them. I don't know about you, but for me, it's going to be really interesting seeing these guys get another kick at the can. I think New Hampshire is the place to be. If you can get down there, it's too bad it's so far away. But it's, uh, it's I'm, I'm, I think this is the team to watch for sure in the in the minor league system. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think a lot of people have picked up on that. <laughs> yeah, fourth well, the fourth best team in the minor leagues, uh, according to a couple websites, maybe milb.com. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's exciting. I, I want to go. Um, Buffalo then, Buffalo looks like they won't get snowed out tonight. And they will be uh, be playing some baseball. Who is starting? Biagini is starting tonight. Biagini starts game one. Um, after that, that's a very good question, how they're going to line up their starting rotation. Um, yeah, Biagini, you know, well, I guess we want to see him dominate. Actually, the game has been postponed. So that's, It has been postponed. That's not going to get underway. Mm. Um, so Biagini is now scheduled to pitch Saturday. Um, we've got Baraki going game two, and I think Guerreri, um, Rowley, and Gavilio, I think, are the, the remaining three starters. So um, I think Buffalo is going to be okay. It, it, it really depends on a few things. How does Rowdy Telez rebound? How does, you know, Leb Lebegian hold up to the full year again? Um, how does Tim Lopes and Richard Urania, when he gets off the DL, how do they deal with Buffalo and the AAA level for the first time? Um, the outfield, I think we all are excited about. They just signed, I think, Darnell Sweeney, who's a veteran minor league guy, um, he was released at the end of spring training, and so the Blue Jays picked him up. So he's now on their uh, Buffalo roster. But you still have uh, Roman Fields. You still have um, Teoscar Hernandez. Um, Ian Parmley is the other guy, and uh, Dwight Smith Jr., of course. So, you know, you've got a veteran team. I mean, especially the outfield. All those guys have time in AAA, if not the majors. So I think the outfield is going to be solid. Uh, the infield, there are some, you know, first-year uh, minor league guys, but at least to start the season, you're going to have Danny Espinoza, who we're going to have to see what happens. I mean, he's got an opt-out from what Shai Davidi reports at the end of the month. So okay. Espinoza may only be there for a month to show, hey, I can still play, I can still hit, somebody else give me a contract and put me back in the big leagues. Um the pitching, I think, is all experience. There's, there's like not, okay. There's a couple of guys, but there's very few guys in that 
pitching staff who don't have major league experience. So, yeah, I think Buffalo can be really solid. Really, how well they do will depend on, I guess, the guys developing and whether they can hit their ceilings or not um, in AAA. So for me, that's the interesting thing to watch. And I assume Alfred will will be put on the roster as soon as he gets off the, the Major League DL. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's on the Major League DL, and he'll... Um, when he's you know recovered from his hamstring, he'll he'll be in Buffalo, and you may see him in Dunedin um, for a few games just to keep him warm. Yeah. Um, before he comes back to Buffalo, Roman Fields, uh, he was the MVP of the team last year. Um, what do you see for him going forward? He's kind of gets lost sometimes in this mix, despite playing very well last year. Um. Fields is a fourth outfielder at a major league level. I think most um, most minor league watchers will say that he's um, you know he he's been hitting better. Like last year was one of his better offensive years. He plays good defense. He's a burner. I think he he led the international league in stolen bases and set a new record for the Bisons uh, in a single season. And he had, I think, 43 stolen bases for Buffalo and another seven in New Hampshire. Um, so the one thing he really doesn't do is hit for power, but he can he can run like crazy and he can get on base at a decent clip. He's not a, again, he's not like a super patient guy. He's not going to get a, a 10 to 12% walk rate, but he'll get on base enough. And, you know, is he an Ezekiel Carrera type hitter? I think he's got more speed than Ezekiel Carrera. He doesn't quite have the same, you know, 300 hitting track record that Carrera had in the minors. Um, so he's probably, you know, if he if he does get to the majors, he's like a, you know, maybe a 260 hitter with a 300 to 320 on base percentage, you know, maybe a 320 to 350 um slugging percentage but you know the ball is juiced in the major leagues and they, it is a different ball I, re, I remember um they were talking of somebody wrote about this in spring training where pitchers who went to the minor league camps um would pitch with the major league ball and apparently stroman did that when he played uh, a rehab game one year in lansing he actually used the major league ball and i think now that may be even more different with uh, the juiciness of the ball, um, I definitely think that there's a big difference. And that's why I think, you know, people say if a guy hits like 12 to 15 home runs in the minors, he could be a 20 home run hitter in the majors, not only because they get a month's extra at-bats, but also because the ball just seems to be a lot livelier. Yeah, it's, it, the home run is a bit of a, digression but the home run off of Garcia on Tuesday it hit the like 500 level of the hotel it was like equal to where I was sitting I've never seen a home run like that at Skydome like, even the Canseco home run up, up in the 500 level that was pulled you know he dead pulled that and it goes right up the, the third base line this was dead center almost a little bit left center but it was still it, it was I've never seen a ball that high it was incredible yeah, and I mean... That, I didn't know Garcia had that kind of... I knew he was good, and he had some power, but I, that kind of power... I, that's what a lot of people were saying about the Giancarlo Stanton 
home run on opening day. Uh, the first one where he just kind of reached out across the plate and that ball just jumped off his bat. And I think it was like 110 mile an hour exit velocity. 117, I think. 117, yeah. It was the, in the StatCast era, something the hardest hit ball hit the other way. Yeah. And it, so, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of obscene how, how the ball is flying in the major leagues. I You know, I don't think we're going to see the same type of ridiculous home run, home run numbers in the minor leagues just because the ball is different. Mm. And they're probably cheaping out on the balls. Got to say it. And they're not sort of all coming from the same place that the MLB ball is. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with catcher Hagen Danner. Welcome to the podcast, Hagen. How's it going? It's going well. I mean, it's Florida. There's baseball. For me, coming from Toronto, that's always a good thing. You're from California. Probably have similar weather, um, but baseball is always a good thing, right? Oh, being here with this good weather, playing baseball, it's just, can't get any better than this. And so you're from California. So you know, what were you doing in the off season? Whether it was to stay in shape, whether it was to get away from the game, you know, what do you what do you do away from baseball? Yeah, um, I really enjoy going to the beach. I like to surf, I like to play basketball, and I like to travel a little bit. And uh, I mean, during the off season, I was working out with Josh Wright and a couple of my other friends, like Dom Abadessa, who's here with the Blue Jays. And yeah, I mean, I just had to make sure I stayed in shape and go to the field and hit my high school field at Huntington Beach High School. Benji Madera, our coach, let us on the field all the time and just to hit and throw and do whatever. Well, for fans of the Blue Jays and the Blue Jays minor league system, we've had a couple of players from Huntington Beach come through the system. Uh, Christian Lopes, who's now with Texas, I think, um, and his brother Tim Lopes, who's in the Blue Jays organization. Um, and there's a couple of other guys who've been to the majors from your high school. Do you ever get like the benefit of that legacy when you're coming up through that high school? Oh, yeah. I mean, they'd come back. Uh, Hank Conger would come back. Colin Ballester would come back. And they, uh, I'd be able to talk to him about really anything about baseball, the minor league life, and all that. And uh, Hank Hank was nice enough. He took us, took us out to lunch one day, me and Dom Abadessa and our buddy Logan Polson, who's at Hawaii right now, uh, took us out and just talked baseball with us and about all the things that can go on during minor league. And he was telling us how minor league was, being in the minor leagues was the best time of his life. And just it's all fun. You make your best friends in it. So I'm, that's what I'm hoping to do. So obviously you've had some input. So when you got drafted, you already knew, you know, Dom Abadesso was drafted the year ahead of you. And I've read that you were good friends with Nick Prado, who was also drafted the same year. Um, so it sounds like you had a lot of advice, a lot of input into, you know, how to take things, how to do things and what to expect. Oh, yeah. I mean, me and me and Prado are best friends. Um being able to talk to him about how his minor league life is going right now and, and call him about a couple times a week, hear from him, hear how spring training's going. and I mean, it, it's cool. It's, it's a bummer that we're so far apart right now, but during the off season we're working out together every day. So, and There's a lot of people have known that when you were drafted, you were both working out as a pitcher and as a catcher. And, and I think the in thing to do is to have two-way players the way Shohei Otani is probably going to try to set a, a new trend 
but you had a lot of players like Hunter Green and, and other guys who were being looked at as seriously as, as two-way players. Did that ever occur to you, or did you know that you would have to choose to either catch or to pitch? Um, I mean, I, I knew I kind of, I was told that I was going to have to choose whether one or whether I liked pitching better or catching better, but going into the draft, I really didn't know. Um, I knew I liked pitching. I knew I liked to hit. And during the draft, I realized like to myself, I just like had a thought in my head. It was just like, I love to hit and hitting home runs is the best feeling ever. And I mean, you, you can always go, you can always change into a pitcher if things aren't going right. And going from a pitcher to a catcher or a position player is, is real tough. So, I mean, hitting was definitely, I think, it's the right decision. And, you know, as a catcher, you're responsible for an awful lot, um, not just hitting. I mean, obviously, you, you've got to run a pitching staff. You've right. got to, you know, defend, catch the ball, framing, yep. calling a game. Yep. You know, what have you been finding about the process and getting into it as a professional that um, you're really not just excited to learn, but also you're finding it, the most interesting and you're finding that you're getting better at yeah i mean just getting the hang of being a catcher every day and not having to worry about pitching it's just all catching and, and also hitting but hitting comes second for catchers and uh i mean getting to catch so many different pitchers pitchers throwing 100 miles an hour pitchers throwing 80 miles an hour you're you're gonna catch every single buddy with the best curveball you've ever seen I, I mean i've caught a few guys i've never seen curveball like them um getting to Getting to train out there with all the catchers that come up through the organization. You got Pentecost, who's one of the best, McGuire, and you got guys down from the DSL that are here that are 17 years old, and you're seeing them catch these guys 100 miles an hour. It's awesome. I mean, you get to see every every single level of players. All right. So since you are a catcher, I like to ask catchers about pitchers because really nobody knows pitchers, maybe even better than themselves, but nobody knows pitchers than catchers do. So who is who's your favorite pitcher to catch? Out here, I, I mean, they're all they're all fun to catch. I haven't caught all of them yet, so I, I don't know if I can give you an answer of who's my favorite play, uh, pitcher to catch. But I mean, I could give you an answer from growing up, catching like my best friends all the time. Hans Kraus with the Rangers has been the most fun pitcher I've caught in a game so far. I believe. I mean, we I caught him in I caught him in uh, Mexico for the USA Championship game, and I that's that's what made me realize that wow. Catching is, catch, catching is unbelievable. It's so fun catching a guy like that. So, All right, so in the Blue Jays camp, who has the best fastball that, that you've seen? I mean, you've, everyone can agree. Nate, Nate Pearson's got to throw 102 miles an hour, so you, not many people have a better fastball than that. In terms of movement, does uh, is there anyone who stands out in terms of in terms of the movement on the ball? Yeah. Um, Patrick Murphy, he... His ball, his ball. You don't know. You don't. It's hard to catch almost because it's so heavy. It's sinking on you, and I mean, it'll be eating you up if you're not if you're not staying relaxed. All right, who's got the best curveball? I have to give that to Patrick Murphy. Also, he's <laughs> that thing is a hammer. It's the only thing I, only way I can describe it. All right, best slider. I have to pass on that one. I, I can't think of that one right now. All right, and changeup. Changeup, man. There's a couple people with with good changeups. Um, Honestly, I couldn't I couldn't name pitchers right now with the changeups, but every single lefty I've I've caught so far, I mean, I actually Matt Matt Gunter's got the best changeup. I caught him last year in the GCL, and that thing is, I mean, if I could, I'd call that thing every single time because I think it's unhittable. It just drops off the off the table, and you can't really hit it. It's slow and about 10, 10 to twelve miles an hour slower than this fastball. It's it's unreal. 
All right, so we have sort of the tour around the pitches, and, and Patrick Murphy, I think, is is, is winning. I, I have to say, I saw him throw a slider the other day that was just, it, I think it just destroyed oh. the hitter's, you know, self-esteem. It was so so filthy. Um, so what are you working on right now? Obviously catching, there's a lot of stuff to work on, but what are you focusing on for this season? Um, I mean, I'm just focusing on being able to call good games and getting the pitchers, getting the pitchers' trust and just making sure that I'm in control of the field at all times. No pitches get by me. It's kind of what I've been working on, throwing runners out, being relaxed back there, and re- being relaxed helps with everything else. Beyond the plate, receiving, being able to block the ball. I mean, it all. If you're all, if you're tight, you can't do anything really. It's all, it's all staying relaxed. And is that what you know? Ken Huckabee is telling you to do: stay relaxed. Is that the biggest thing he's telling you to do? Yeah, I mean, it's. He'll tell me that all the time when I'm catching. Basically, well, if he, if he has a chance to talk to me. Um, Sometimes I'll get depends because you're catching guys you've never caught before, so having to call pitches and going through the sequences and not you don't have the full trust in the guy yet because you haven't caught him before, and that that can get a little you can get a little anxious back there and and having to having you got to stay relaxed just going through all that you don't know if he's going to be crossing you up or not but you just got to be ready for anything so all right now you've played you said you played in mexico i know you've played in japan you've played all over what's the best food you've had in a foreign tournament i mean japan i wish i would have had more food i was we were stuck in hotel the whole time so we couldn't we just ate the hotel food um, Mexico actually had the best steak in my life in Mexico. We went out after we won the gold medal, and it's this awesome place, and you cooked a steak on the salt block, which is unreal, and it's, got, it's all salty and juicy, and that'd be the best steak I've ever had. All right. And what goals do you have for 2018? Uh, anything specific in mind or just anything general? I mean, have a winning season. I, I hate losing, so I just want to win every game. So we're here with the winner, uh, Hagen Danner, who's won a couple gold medals, and uh, hopefully we'll win a championship with uh, an affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays this year. Yes, sir. All right, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's all for episode number 70 of the Blue Jays from Away podcast. On behalf of my co-host Wesley James, I'd like to thank Hagen Danner for joining us, and thank you for listening. Come on back soon, and go Jays go. Higher, higher, up your